0: Greetings, friends, and Firebirds fans, and welcome to the Fire and Ice podcast, the official podcast of your Coachella Valley Firebirds of the American Hockey League. Coming to you from Palm Desert, California, I'm your Cameron Hughes, coast-to-coaster away from the Firebirds home ice of Akershiver Arena. I'm your host, Judd Spicer, along with this endeavor, had the privilege and pleasure of serving as your Firebirds Insider in this inaugural season of CB Hockey, a duty which includes penning articles throughout this inaugural season, most recent of which, yeah, as you probably gather, it's a preview of these Calder Cup Championship Finals, CB Firebirds Champions of the West versus your Eastern Conference Champion Hershey Bears. Those articles, as with all things CB Firebirds, can find online at cvfirebirds.com. That's included, but certainly not limited to team merchandise, roster, community info, and tickets. As for those tickets to for Sure Arena, well, we're in the real, real of it now, folks, which seem to require, for the first time ever in this endeavor, a mid-series episode. This episode of the Fire and Ice podcast need be noted being recorded, written, produced, and released all on Wednesday, June the 14th. That is following the Firebirds overtime Game 3 loss in Hershey and preceding Game Four to take place in Hershey, Pennsylvania on Thursday, June fifteenth at 4 p.m. Pacific. The task, of course, of encompassing as much, well, might not be fit one man. That's why I've got a full on cast and crew and media round tape mid series episode of this Calder Cup Championship Finals. Joining me is Patrick Williams of the American Hockey League, also covers the American Hockey League at NHL.com. Chad Powers, my guy, columnist for the Desert Sun newspaper, joining. And from Hershey, Pennsylvania, the lone desert dude, the lone. Desert Media representative flown cross-country to cover these Calder Cup championship finals. Blake Arthur, sports director at KESQ, as I said, mid-series media roundtable. Before we get to this quadrangle conversation, four total guests, of course, including yours truly, just hit refresh. Let's catch our breath. Let's reset a little bit. Firebirds came out of the nest flying. In this series, undoubtedly, in Game 1, 5-0 victory against Hershey. Follow that up with another shutout victory, a convincing one, in Game 2, winning 4-0. Game 3, last night, better performance for Hershey, scoring in every period, including overtime. The overtime game winner for a 5-4 victory in Hershey, Pennsylvania. A couple notes to go along with that. Joey Decord, Deller, Firebirds, Netminder, again, shutouts in the first two games. Took that shutout streak past 130 minutes going into game three. Those first two shutouts, first goalie in the American Hockey League since 1939 to go back-to-back donuts in the first two games of the Calder Cup Championship Finals. As for those 13 cumulative goals scored by the Birds through three games, well, scored by 10 different guys, something that will undoubtedly touch upon with the panel. Sellouts have abounded on both ends of this Calder Cup finals here in Palm Desert and in Hershey for Game 3, which brings us to the schedule. Reference Game 4 taking place tomorrow night, Thursday, June 15th. That's another 4 p.m. Pacific start time. Locally, you can check that out. I know it's on television, but if you want to gather with fellow Firebirds fans, good alliteration there. I did that last night at Spotlight 29 Casino, a burgeoning watch party. People are getting into it. They are into it before, but now they're really getting into it. About 1,000 people there last night, somewhere around there. Jerseys, face paint, a couple of cocktails, everybody having fun. Yeah, it was a loss, but that is a growing scene to be at. Game 5, of which we are now assured based on the fact that, well, Hershey not only finally scored a goal, but they won a game. Saturday, June 17th, remaining on this row on the road rather in this 2-3-2 format. Saturday, June 17th, another 4 p.m. Pacific puck drop firebirds and bears from Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Getting back to the asterisk, the if necessaries, games six and seven, respectively. If need be played, game six would take place Monday, June 19th back here in Palm Desert, California at Acrosure Arena, 7 p.m. start time. If needed, Game 7, a deciding Game 7, that would be played Wednesday, June 21st, here in Palm Desert at Acrosure at 7 p.m. There's some schedule, there's some stats, there's some enthusiasm, which I think that you could probably pick up as we delve deeper and deeper into the unknown, friends. All that offered, all that prefaced, let's get to this episode's mid series Calder Cup Championship media roundtable. All right, friends, provided gravity where we're at in this Alder Cup Championship Finals. by the magnitude of the moment, one voice alone, hell, two is not enough. This mid-series Media Table special episode of the Fire and Ice podcast requires a true mind meld. My pleasure to welcome a trio of gentlemen, Patrick Williams, covers the American Hockey League for AHL.com also find his work at NHL.com. Shad Powers, columnist for the Desert Sun newspaper. Coming to us from Hershey, Pennsylvania, the only desert dweller to make the cross-country trip and cover the Firebirds um, from, uh, from Hershey, is Blake Arthur, sports director of KESQ. Gents, appreciate all your time as we're now in the thick of it. 2-1 Firebirds lead in these Calder Cup Finals. Blake, let's start with you, my van. again, is the only Desert Media member to go cross-country. Looks like right now, provided your backdrop, that you were in the Giant Center in Hershey. Give us some flavor. Give us the lay of the land of what you saw and felt and tasted. The vibe at Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania.
1: Uh, thank you, Judd, for having me on. This place is awesome. Uh, I was really blown away uh, by the fan base here. They're passionate. They're raucous. Uh, this place is electric. It's got a lot of charm and character. You walk around, you see the banners, you see, uh, a lot of mementos and and cool artifacts and whatnot. And, uh, it was really cool to witness that game last night. And, uh, when they score a goal, this place is jumping. You can feel the the, the ground beneath you kind of shake. I know a lot of times that's maybe blown out of proportion, but, uh, uh, this is this is a true hockey town, and it was a pleasure to be here last night. And uh, yeah, I'm here at practice. Uh, Firebird's about to take the ice here for a one o'clock practice. So happy to be here. This is uh, this is something I've never experienced, and looking forward to tomorrow's game four. Sold out
0: crowd of game three of over ten thousand five hundred at Giant Center. Old school, new school. Follow up for you, Blake. Compare and contrast between what we see at Acershire Arena and what you saw and experienced at Giant Center last night.
1: Well, I think you said it. it's the old school, new, new school, East coast, West coast. Our arena is, you know, not even a year old. It's much more modern, uh, a lot more bells and whistles. This arena is pretty straightforward. Opened in 2002, 65 million. I think ours is, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 million. Uh, seating is about the same, you know, it's about 10,000 and some change. So it, it has a nice, uh, size and, and vibe to it. Um, when this, this place is full, um, I, I think these fans uh, have been around a lot longer. They know the game, maybe a little bit more than than us in the desert, and that's no slight to the the fans in the Coachella Valley. But these fans are as passionate and as knowledgeable as you're going to find in hockey or any sport for that matter. And I think uh, maybe one day, maybe 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years down the road, we'll we'll get there in the Coachella Valley. I think that's the hope. That's the goal. For
0: this vibrant season, I'm not sure if we know what's going to happen in the next 30 or 40 minutes, let alone the next 30 <laughs> or 40 years. On to a gentleman that has spent ample time at the Giants Center over the years. Hell, he makes his home in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Patrick Williams, uh, obviously a, a difference when we saw in the Hershey Bears last night. As a contrast from what we saw in games one and two, what was different for the Bears in game
2: three? Uh, <clears throat> desperation number one. Obviously, I think that was uh, the first thing. The second part is, um, uh, they found a way to sort of avoid the Joey Decord issue in terms of his puck handling skills. Um, and obviously, everything that that disrupts their forecheck the, leads to the breakouts for, for Coachella. Like, they've more or less tried to just stay away from that, right? Like, let you know, far fewer of the dump ins, far fewer. Of the letting him do anything with the puck, so I think that's the first thing. The second part was just they they checked a lot harder, like they were on um, the Firebirds a lot more, a lot more quickly, closing in on them. You know, won far more board battles, just an overall better performance all around. And even with that, we saw Coachella still in the third period come back three quick strikes in a little over twelve minutes, uh, two in the final four minutes. And then dominating overtime, so that was what Todd Nelson called Hershey's best effort of the series so far, which maybe is damning with faint praise. But even with that being said, it was still, uh, in a lot of ways, Coachella controlled much of the game.
0: Something that Chad and I mused while watching the game together at the uh, watch party last night. Yeah, we both felt that Hershey was playing a little bit better. Follow up for you, Patrick. Do you also think that the Firebirds, in a sense, maybe played a little bit worse than they had games one and two? I think
2: there is a little bit of a letdown, right? Like you, you come in from that wild Acushnet Arena crowd, right? Like, and then you come into kind of 180 degree opposite there, the crowd being that much against you. It's a like you said, it's, it's a an East Coast crowd. Like I came down here uh, a few years back and. Uh, that's the first thing that really strikes you about the Hershey crowds a lot more of that uh, edge to it, right? Like, and they're, they're quick to get on that team when they're not playing well, right? So there's that, that – that pressure kind of works both ways, uh, for and against Hershey at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see that – yeah, I, I don't think Ochoa is necessarily at their sharpest, um, but we have seen that from them before, right? Like, they've had their ups and downs even in this postseason run. Um, and to their credit, each time they've been able to, to kind of re- recalculate, reorient themselves, come back that much better the following year.
0: Chad uh, Powers, I think it was prior to game two that you had a great call that Cameron Hughes was ready to break out of a playoff donut. He had a couple truckloads of assists heading into um, uh, this this series and throughout the Calder Cup playoffs but zero goals for Cameron Hughes. That is that is fast change. And then you subsequently wrote about the fact that through the first two games, the Firebirds had eight different scorers. Now through three games, 10 different goal scorers to combine for those 13
3: total goals. Is that what jumps out to you most statistically, Shad? Yeah, I mean, that did kind of fascinate me. I think that's what makes them a tough team to defend. Obviously, they've got confident scorers all through all four lines. And that's, you know, not every team can say that. And, and of course, people are confident about their hockey skill, but but these guys are all, you know, pinpoint scoring artists, a lot of them. So they, they, there's like, uh, you don't see teams with that many guys that can uh, that can do that. And like I said, they just sort of expect to do it. You know, I don't think, you know, the, none of the lines sort of consider themselves a third line or a fourth line or a second line, I don't think. Um, so that's, that's impressive to me that they have such a depth of, offensive talent um yeah and I think you know Hershey you know uh, maybe sort of was sort of knocked back on their heels after the fir- the first game the second game I think was a little more even the, the score didn't really indicate it but you know Hershey sort of dominated the first period just didn't score any goals I think that really was frustrating to them and that sort of uh panned out in the second period when Coachella Valley went off and then last night again the second period I guess it was Hershey's really dominated I thought they were taking control of the game to the point where it's, where it was like, you know, a, a full shift in the series uh, confidence wise. But, um, you know, so I think that rally, despite it still ending up in a loss was valuable for the Firebirds last night just to sort of, I guess, maybe make a statement or show that, you know, this isn't just going to be, uh, you know, you get ahead by two goals. It's not going to be a, a cruise in for a victory, like maybe some of their previous series have been, but yeah, um, so that was an entertaining game last night. Obviously, had to have that win. If you're Hershey, um, talking to uh, a coach and a player after the game, they both were sort of happy with the way things went. Of course, not losing, but they felt like they made a little bit of a a statement, maybe even to themselves that they're you know they're not going to go into Hershey and be overwhelmed by the moment or the you know uh, setting. So I don't know. That's that's what's it's been kind of an interesting three games. They've all been they've all had sort of a different flavor. And, uh, you know, I don't know, game four, <laughs> we're at a point now where I think game four could go uh, in any direction. The the Firebirds could come right back and, and uh, rattle off five or six goals again. Uh, you know, Hershey can, you know, Hershey has some confidence now, certainly. They finally got a goal to go in the net. I think that was okay. half the battle, too. The second that goal happened in the first period, you could almost see a uh, weight go off their shoulders a little bit, and they played a little freer um, after that. So, I don't know, it's been entertaining you know, a uh, series of, of um, you know, different momentum shifts.
0: Sticking with you, Shad, of course, we we're a Riker Evans overtime, millimeter away from the Firebirds having a complete chokehold on this series and being up 3-0. As we saw in the Milwaukee series, it's fascinating how the complexion of these Calder Cup playoffs, or as you see in the Stanley Cup playoffs, they can totally change on a dime. And in that yeah. case, it was about the width of a dime that kept us from having a 3-0 lead. I don't know, do you sense, Chad, from what you saw in Milwaukee and from what you've assessed throughout this series, that we're going to see that pretty dramatic complexion change? Or do you kind of – and I don't want to get your prediction quite yet, but I I do want to sense, though, if if you think that the Firebirds are just going to kind of continue to instill the pressure, the offensive scoring, or this might take like a 2-2 turn like we saw with Milwaukee.
3: I don't know. I mean, I'm still – uh, impressed by Hershey, uh, even after, you know, the, they sort of stumbled out of the gate. I think, again, I think they proved to, to themselves yesterday that, you know, obviously, they can be the Firebirds. That's half the battle. And then, you know, I think they got they just got sort of a sure footing with their defense. I think Patrick is sort of um, and some of their tactics, uh, like Patrick was describing, changed and that seemed to have worked. So, I I mean, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if Hershey wins game four and we're looking at a 2-2 just exactly like we were with the Milwaukee series. Um, you know, it's, of course, the home ice changes things, but it's, you know, obviously it's not just that simple. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously these two teams are playing for the Calder Cup, so they're obviously both talented. I think, like, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Coachella Valley does anything tactically different you know, they might not be in position. They might not consider themselves needing to. Certainly, they've had success averaging over four goals a game and holding them to under two a game so far. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if there is any more sort of uh, uh, strategic changing from either coach.
0: Moving back to Blake Arthur of KESQ. Blake, of course, as mentioned in Hershey, Pennsylvania, as his backdrop suggests right now, he is in Giant Center. I think either watching or waiting for the practice here in this off day. Blake and seeing the players after the game face to face and assessing reaction or body language, did you sense that the Firebirds were dispirited or that Coach Biles was dispirited in any way after the OT loss?
1: I don't think they were dispirited in any way. I think that they felt they were the better team in that third period and definitely in the overtime period. Maybe not, maybe not the entire third period, but towards the end of the game, the you know final. Uh, 12 minutes or so, you know, rattling off those three goals. I think that this team knows that they can score at any time. And, and Hershey knows that as well. You talk to the bears and uh, they have a lot of respect and I don't want to say a sense of fear, but it's definitely in the back of their minds that this team can score at any time. I mean, they have that much firepower and from anyone on the ice really. So in talking with the guys and and head coach uh, before the game, coach said, look, it's going to be a change of environment but we don't want to change of effort we don't want to change it compete and i asked him about that and he said you know he was he was pleased with the effort and the compete from his guys and uh you know I talked to cole lind and cameron hughes as well and cole lind was pretty pretty point blank saying that they were the more opportunistic team they had one chance in overtime and they capitalized on it where the firebirds as we've alluded to in this uh, they dominated the overtime and um had that one off the post that like you said uh with of a dime that could have made this series 3 nothing, and during the after the third period end, I'm walking around looking for something to eat because it's OT, and I'm hungry, and I'm here to these fans saying, hey, we just lost the cup in five minutes, so uh, kind of to Patrick's point, these fans are passionate, but they are going to get on their team if they're not playing well, and you got the sense in this building that when they tied the game at 4-4, that the Birds were going to win the game and take a commanding 3-0 lead and possibly get to a chance to sweep them on uh, Thursday, tomorrow, so They're not dejected. I have confidence that these guys are going to come out tomorrow and, uh, you know, play Firebirds hockey.
0: Of course, Blake, that we, uh, as mentioned, Chad and I, uh, we we watched the game uh, from afar on uh, on television at the watch party. So we didn't see uh, in person all those banners hanging from the rafters. We couldn't hear in person those 10,500-plus fans. Firebirds, if there's one slight across this Calder Cup postseason, is that they haven't not been great. They've been okay, but they're still under 500 on the road uh, in these Calder Cup playoffs. Did you sense that there was any intimidation
1: factor last night? I think maybe in the beginning, um, you know, maybe a feeling out process, kind of getting your bearings. But I think they settled into the game, and we saw that just too little too late, right? We saw that at the end of the third and then the overtime. The overtime was some of the best hockey I've seen them play all season. I, I know it's not indicative of what happened because they lost the game and Hershey found the back of the net and, and that was that. But um, they looked really, really good towards the end of the third and, and in that overtime period. So intimidation, uh, maybe not, but this place is rocking. This place is, uh, is a fun environment. And talking with the guys, I think they're more enjoying the atmosphere. Rather than uh, scared of it, they're, they're enjoying that this is a, this is the finals. You know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime maybe opportunity. I think they're just trying to make the most of it and, and enjoy the experience.
0: Patrick, William is one of the things that you and I discussed. I don't think I'm breaking any confidences here, but one of the things that we talked about during both games one and two, I mean, you've seen Hershey play a lot over the course of the year, certainly in person far more than uh, the trio of us have from the desert. But you kind of suggested that this offensive attack that the Firebirds put forth is unlike anything that uh, the Bears have really seen throughout the year. You maintain that assessment?
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and we saw that in the third period and overtime. I mean, really, you know, that overtime, that game could have been one. I mean, it came down to millimeters. And even after it hit the crossbar there, like there was, uh, I forget who was right, the size of net, almost swatted it in there, too, as well. So, yeah. Um, you know, they, they faced Rochester in the Eastern Conference Final, and that was a team that certainly had some of the same elements that Coachella has in terms of speed and transition off the rush type play, but nowhere near the finishers. So you could you could get away with some things against Rochester, take some chances, um, kind of push back the play at times that you can't do against the Firebirds, uh, not even close, right? Like all four lines of that Firebirds team can put the puck in the net, and, and we saw that, right? Like you shut down one line, you shut down two lines. Well, there's still two more to handle. Like it's it's like a whack-a-mole um, type of type of situation, and and I really think it, for the Firebirds, there's not a whole lot to change, right? Like it came down to just a bounce here, a bounce there, and. And the other thing, too, I was was talking with Todd Nelson, the Hershey coach, before this series, and this is a little different in the sense that this is a best of seven. You know, it's only the second time the series, you know, in the playoffs for each team having gone through that, you know, best of three, a best of five. Like, so in in a shorter series, right, like, if there's an adjustment, a counter-adjustment, that that, kind of that, that chess game between the coaches, maybe you go one or two, maybe three moves down, well, you do go longer in a series. Now each team is maybe like five, six, seven, eight steps into their, you know, coach's bag, bag of tricks. So it gets a little bit harder to, to kind of implement some of those adjustments. And, you know, you'd start to, you know, run out of ideas, right? Like there's only so many, you know, ways you can play the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be an element, I think, to watch, like, you know, I think if, if this just comes down to a matter of like, who's got more skill rather than who can make the, the best adjustments, you have to think the Firebirds are, are, are the real threat
0: here. A couple of names I want to toss at you, Patrick. Ethan Frank uh, mm-hmm. had a great uh, regular rookie season. I think he had 30 goals. Before there was Ty Cartier as the rookie of the year, the favorite yeah, yeah. was probably Ethan Frank. Total speedster, uh, but it had a total uh, shutout <laughs> to yeah. go with all that speed for goals in the playoffs until last night finally broke his Calder Cup playoff maiden. When you're looking for signs of encouragement for Hershey, I assume that that has to be one.
2: Oh, I I mean, that was massive uh, for him and for the team. Same thing with Joe Snively. He hadn't had a goal since Game 2 of the first round series against Charlotte. So that was April 29th, just to give you an idea of, you know, he's one of their top snipers. Uh, Mike Scarbosa has been out of the playoffs, you know, since the Hartford series. So, I mean, they've been getting – some production from from you know their third and fourth lines, but those those are goals that you have to kind of consider to be a bonus. You can't be relying on your third and fourth lines to to, to carry you, and, you know. To, so to get somebody like Frank, who's been a healthy stretch at times in the postseason, to get him finally uh, on the scoreboard in the playoffs, someone who had 30 goals in the regular season, top Simone our rookies. I mean, that was that was big both you know really for him and for Hershey, who's they're just looking for for offense really from anybody um, at this point. Um, and, you know, to get him, to get Snively, Garrett Pilon got going. Um, it's, you know, this was a team that had, you know, what, two goals in their past four games coming into, to game three. So they really, they, they were due for, you know, a, a big night and, and they needed it even more so. Um, so that's probably the biggest takeaway for Hershey from game three.
0: Firebirds have now scored as many goals in the three games of this series as Hershey scored in the entirety of the Eastern Conference Finals, a total of 13. One more quick name I want to toss at you, Patrick. Hunter Shepard, guy had a great regular season. I think he was second in the American Hockey League and goals against a mere 850 uh, save percentage. Yeah, he got the win last night. I don't know if he's just been so-so in this Calder Cup championship series or if it's by virtue of the Firebirds and
2: their onslaught. Which way would you lean? I, I more toward the latter. I mean, um, games one and two especially. I mean, he was getting peppered. I mean, I, I, I think I said to you, like, if not for him, game one could have been maybe seven or eight nothing. Game two could have been six nothing. Um, you know, I mean, and I thought he was – he makes the saves he needs to make. And I, I think for him, like, one, one of the big issues for him earlier rounds was he was always susceptible to one bad goal. In a series, and like you know, it'd be like first shot of the game, or it be a goal from the blue line, like way out, you know, like those kind of things that just really break a team in, in front of him. So he he's cleaned that up in his game. I think he's been solid. I mean, I can't really fault, I can't fault a goaltender, you know, against a good Cookshella team that look what they did to Dustin Wolf, right? They put what five goals past him, you know, six goals past him if uh, you can do that to Dustin Wolf. I think really anybody is susceptible. And so, like, Shepard maybe hasn't stolen anything for them, but I think all things for he, he's held up his end of things for Hershey.
0: Friends, you're tuning in to the Fire and Ice podcast, the official podcast of your Coachella Valley Firebirds of the American Hockey League. Mid-series media roundtable featuring yours truly, Judd Spicer, um, Chad Powers, columnist for the Desert Sun, Blake Arthur KESQ, and – Patrick Williams of the AHL.com. Quick personal interjection here, fellas. This is, as, and I think, as Patrick gathered when he when he came and, and, and visited uh, Acushier sure Arena and saw games one or two, and we all had the pleasure of chatting a little bit. This has been a special ride, an almost incalculable ride. I'm just curious for you guys, either in your personal sporting experience or maybe in your sports media experience, you've ever. If you've ever been on a ride, if you've ever been on a wave, this kind of lightning in a bottle. I mean, for me, in covering sports, I don't know if there's anything that's quite equal. I'd say personally, the 87 Minnesota Twins is something I remember being caught up in that communal wave of enthusiasm or excitement. I'll go back to you, Shad. In your personal experience or in your media sports experience, you ever felt quite (laughs) swept up in something like this?
3: I think the closest thing I would say in my personal experiences would be the sort of uh, like 89, 90 Detroit Pistons. I'm, I'm from Michigan. Um, You know, that was, you know, I was what, 17, 18, 16, kind of those years when you're really into sports in a sense that like everyone around town, basketball fans and non-basketball fans had a Pistons t-shirt, had a Pistons hat on. That's what I'm noticing and loving about this Coachella Valley uh, run. It's just remarkable how many people are, into this team around the desert. I mean, everything came together perfectly for that to happen. Of course, you know, the, the team is exciting they're on this long run, you know, their Jersey colors are cool. The, the logos, you know, not everything, everything is working perfectly. They've really kind of nailed it. And the spirit of the town, I mean, you know, uh, my wife will come home and say, people are talking about it around the water cooler and stuff. You (laughs) know, It, it just, it's just funny to, imagine just to think like one year ago today, there wasn't a team, there wasn't an arena, there wasn't a logo. It's just so crazy to think about. Um, so I think, uh, but as far as, uh, you know, journalistically, no, I've never really been on a ride like this. I've, I've been a beat reporter for a couple different teams, but you know, either they were already established or they weren't having success, but this is, um, this is pretty crazy. But that, like you said, kind of for you with the twins personally, I would say that the closest thing for me would be like the mania uh, of the bad boys pistons era uh as, as a young fan quickly to you blake arthur your answer
1: well as a fan uh you know i think the 2002 angels winning the world series that was a heck of a ride i was just a 12 year old kid and uh you know those runs with the lakers kobe and shack uh those were cool you know you'd always drive around town and see people with the flags on their cars and uh but i don't think it's you know I don't think it's anything like this, you know, such a kind of a small town feel and everybody's rallying together, you know, the, the LA market, orange County market much bigger than, than what we're dealing with in the Coachella Valley. And, uh, you know, work-wise, I've never experienced anything like this and it's just, it's just taken off. And, uh, we're just along for the ride and I've never been so invested in a team, uh, in, in my profession with work or anything like that and uh you know it's, it's crazy that you know here we are in June which for us usually is time to vacation and get some rest and relaxation before the high school football season and here we are maybe I'm working the hardest I've ever worked in my <laughs> career at KESQ you know I've been there seven eight years and and it's June and this is this is my time Maui time for me normally and here I am freezing in a in a you know, hockey rink covering this team. <laughs> it's just its just kind of wild to put it all in perspective. And I don't think I really truly have let it sunk in. And I don't think it will until it's all over. I'm just kind of enjoying the moment. But to, it's been a special ride, Juddy, no doubt. Uh, just an incredible inaugural season. And I'm really just happy to be a part of it, play a small part.
2: Patrick Williams, your response, sir? Not at this level. Like, uh, I think back to 2011 in Winnipeg when the Jets came back covering that that was that was a huge deal but there was a lot of other elements to that there was a lot of kind of emotional baggage for the city like it was the nhl coming back after 15 year absence and everything there there there's there a lot of the kind of undercurrents there like but at the at the minor league level right and in a market with with no previous real hockey history and even we were talking like no real pro sports history in terms of a local team you, you had to go back 30 years to the California Angels having a, uh, you know, single A club there, you know, and that's, you know, a whole generation ago, right? So like for so many of these fans, this is their team now. Like this is their home team. It's not an LA team or a San Diego team or anything like that. It's it's their local team, their rank, their building, their players. And I think that's the cool part of it, right? You know, and and we we all, like any one of us with, with any connection to hockey, we know that the sport will sell itself. Right. Like once once you get people in front of it, the, the trick is always to get people in front of it. Right. And like and we've seen that happen with Coachella that, you know, maybe, you know, whatever the fans didn't know in terms of the history or, or, or the rules they picked up on quickly. But they can certainly take in even if you don't know everything, you can certainly take in the speed, the physicality, all, all the elements that that, that attract anyone to, to the sport of hockey. All
0: right. friends, uh, closing statements here. Jen's going to bring it back round to Chef Bowers. Quick, quick hitter answers here, fellas. And you can either give me a series prediction at this point with the Firebirds up 2-1 to one, heading into Game 4, or you can simply tell me if you believe that the series is going to come back to Palm Desert and Akersher Arena for a Game 6. Shad, we'll start with you. Quickly, your thoughts, sir.
3: Uh, I'm going to say yes to that. I think it is now I believe that it probably will come back to the uh, Akersher Arena. I don't feel like Hershey's going to lose two in a row uh, at home, having seen them in action and now knowing that they're sort of uh, – have a little more skip in their step. Um, It is true, though, that, you know, they did have to score five goals to get a win. And that's not something this team does very often. So, you know, they still probably aren't feeling uh, totally confident. But yeah, so I'm going to say yes. It's coming back to Akersha Arena. We'll see if Firebirds can win one game in Hershey and then set it up for a, a chance to win it in game six.
0: Blake Arthur, you referenced the length of the season. NBA Finals done. Stanley Cup Finals done. Firebirds still going. Will this series go into next week, sir? Uh,
1: I think I'm going to stick with my prediction. I, I like the Birds in six. I think they win game four. I think Hershey takes game five out of pride and not wanting to lose this thing in their own barn. Um, but I, I just think the Firebirds are just they are just too good. I mean, it's really that simple. They're, they're too deep, too talented, too good. Uh, this team is loaded, and uh, I honestly thought they should have won last night. So I, I will. I-, I think this team's going to come out hungry, take game four. Hershey gets game five, and then the Birds wrap it up in six. So uh, that's my prediction. I'm sticking to it, Judd.
0: As for yours truly, my initial prediction was Firebirds in seven. If it happens in six at this point, I wouldn't be
2: shocked. Let's conclude it with Patrick Williams. Your thoughts, my man. Yeah, I thought Chad made a great point that, you you know, Hershey needed five goals just to win, right, and, like, pull out this, this victory. Uh, originally, I went with Coachella in six. Frankly, going into yesterday, I was thinking it was going to be Coachella in four. I'll split the difference. I say Coachella wraps this up game five. It's middle of June already, I think the players are ready to go home. <laughs> they don't, they don't want another, you know, they don't want to, the longer you drag this thing out, like, you know, then, then then it comes down to a bad bounce, bad call, whatever. And, you know, get it over with if you're Coachella. I think in some ways, Hershey may have uh, kind of uh, rattled the cage of the Firebirds. And uh, I think they will be that much more uh, dangerous come game four, game five.
0: Patrick Williams of the AHL. Shad Powers, Collins for the Desert Sun, Blake Arthur. He is in Hershey, Pennsylvania for KESQ. Fellas, great work covering the, the series, covering the season. Maybe we'll see you, Ben. Maybe we'll all reconvene for uh, game six uh, next Monday at Ackershire Arena. Time will tell. I guess we'll find out. First things first, let's get to game four at the Giants Center in Hershey tomorrow night. Fellas, thanks for your time. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you.
1: Thanks, John.
0: All right, Firebirds friends, readily appreciate your time, your interest, your ears, your ongoing support of this endeavor. Equally appreciative for the time of our panel, our media roundtable in this special mid-series episode. Follow all of these gents for their coverage of the Calder Cup championship playoffs via their respective gigs, all their different mediums from which they are reporting. Patrick Williams covers the American Hockey League for both AHL and the NHL.com. Chad Powers, columnist for the Desert Sun newspaper. And Blake Arthur, sports director at KESQ. Hope Blake's having a fine time out there in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Gentle reminder that for all things Firebirds, CVFirebirds.com is your home. That includes, certainly not limited to, team merchandise, roster information, Tickets to Akersure Arena. You might also want to download that CV Firebirds app. Great way to get tickets for all things Firebirds and all things taking place at Akersure for games, concerts, events, and the like. As for those games, well, the near future will tell. If there are any more tickets to be had at Akersure Arena, see if the series comes back to the desert for Game 6. Exciting times, thrilling times probable and unprecedented times and certainly historic times as authored by our CV Firebirds in this inaugural season here in the desert proper. Thanks again for tuning in, friends. I look forward to seeing you at the watch parties or perhaps at AccraSure Arena should the series return here to the C V for Game Six. Until then, Nan always remember, one Valley, one team, rising together.